does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Yeah, it's a Tuesday. Thank you for waking up with us right here on The Fan. It's the Wake Up Call broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. KB and Andy hanging out with you until 10 o'clock. Mark Dykton along producing today's effort. And it's funny, me and KB were talking, you know, what we want to do, what we want to accomplish this first segment. Snot was what was being talked about before (laughs) Mm -hmm. we went on the air. Children and their snots. So I always sit back and I listen to two KG veterans as I uh, embark on these battles myself over the next <laughs> over the next few years. Good morning, fellas. Happy Tuesday. How's everyone doing today? Nothing says what? You know, five children combined <laughs> under the age of six, like a little mucus talk little, here. Little yeah, mucus how much talk. does your kid sneeze up when they sneeze? Oh, a lot. How about yours? Oh, a lot. Well, apparently, KB, you sent a text at 3 o'clock. You're up early well, today. Did you uh, yeah. go back to bed? What happened with you? It, it was funny. Like, Mark looks at me and goes, did Max have trouble sleeping last night? I'm thinking to myself, wow, I actually thought Max slept pretty good, but maybe Mark knows something that I don't know. <laughs> Maddie uh, right. texts me on the side. Yeah, I was uh, I was nervous for a split second there, and then I was like, oh wait, it was Rosie coughing at 3am that woke Ugh. me up, and I was responding to, I fell asleep about the start of the fourth quarter yeah. of that Monday night game. You and everybody else. And uh, so I was responding to a Mark text from about 10.30 there, so... <laughs> Yeah, quite the start to this uh, Tuesday morning. Good Tuesday morning to all of our listeners out there. Appreciate you guys tuning in. As we have had for each of the last two weeks, Rick Carlisle going to join us here at the start of the 8 o'clock hours. The Pacers get their, I think, relatively highly anticipated season underway. Tomorrow night, it'll be the Washington Wizards in town for um, the opener. And I believe Adam Silver uh, making an appearance as well with the NBA All-Star Game coming up. In February, uh, we'll talk a little bit more Pacers at 9 o'clock as well. Tony East, we had some uh, Pacers news yesterday with Aaron Neesmith signing a three-year extension. So pencil him in or uh, write him in and Sharpie in terms of building pieces around Tyrese Halliburton moving forward. And obviously a lot of Colt stuff to get to. And one Game 7 completes, another yes. Game 7 tonight for the first time since 2004. Both championship league series in Major League Baseball will have gone seven games. Isn't it a shame Houston wasn't able to win last night? Just such a, shame. a bummer. Just yeah. a bummer. And my and I know it's like you know it, it, it's obviously there. It, it's an easy commute. Everything's in Texas and everything else. But the amount of Texas Ranger fans there last night, my goodness, it was like the Chargers were playing or something like that. <laughs> it's like the Cowboys were in L.A. or something, or the Pittsburgh Chargers Steelers. Steelers there. Yeah, maybe a Steelers game or something like that. And then Monday Night Football. I mean, last night. I mean, who didn't have the fighting Kirk Cousins? taking care of the San Francisco 49ers. Primetime Kirk, right? Yeah, two bad games in a row for the Niners. Yeah, Jordan Addison, uh, quite the night for him with Justin Jefferson on injured reserve. Uh, Their high draft pick, Addison. Just crazy game. Uh, Gets a target early in the game and uh, gets the ball kind of stolen from him. And it's a pick, uh, wasn't it? Was it a pick six? 
to start the game. I don't know. My mind, this is now my 3 a.m. brain. Yeah, th- this is your problem. Addison Speaking had here. the big play where he just took the ball away from Ward and right. said, give that to me. Let's and, go. And he got payback a little bit later in the game and getting the ball back. Again, a huge night for him. Brock Purdy threw a couple of picks there in the fourth quarter as they were trying to come back. And the Vikings at 3-4 and four now after their very disappointing start to the season. A 49ers second loss of the year. The Vikings just want to draft 15th so bad. 14th so bad. We just want to be somewhere in the middle of the first. Just screams 500. I, I um, They really do. I was again Manning cast them. last night. I, I was very happy. I wasn't sure if we were getting the Manning cast last night. And um, I was very thrilled to see it. And I know Aaron Rodgers is an extremely polarizing figure. I could listen to Aaron Rodgers talk football for a long, long time. Like him with Peyton and Eli, mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I, again, I don't want this to come off of any sort of, you know, I support everything that whatever Aaron Rodgers says and does. And football-wise, man, I, I, I absolutely loved listening to that second quarter and just having those three guys uh, talk a lot of football, talk quarterback play, a variety of things. I thought the Nick Bosa stuff was really interesting. Basically, Andy, one of the big topics they were talking about was, Rodgers said when they play the 49ers back in his Green Bay Green Bay days, they had plays specifically for when Nick Bosa was off the field. So literally they'd run they'd watch him run off and you know whatever, he'd sit out two or three plays and it'd be like 97's off the field, 97's off the field and boom, a lot more freedom. They go to their play sheet and they dial that up. And it's kind of funny cuz now I'm trying to spin it back to the Colts and you know Shane Steichen expressed some regret yesterday over how he handled the late first half and he pointed out that on that second and 15 strip sack by Garrett um, that was a double move that the Colts were trying to execute backed up on their own (laughs) goal line and I'm thinking to myself a second and 15 double move with Miles Garrett on the field, I would think that Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, and Eli Manning would say, no, 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 those are the play calls when Garrett is off the field. Right. Not when he is on the field, right. let alone... When he's getting a breath. ...in the shadow of your own goal line. So I did really enjoy uh, those three chatting it up last night. Two, he three. stays on topic. He's uh, pretty engaging. Well, I was, I was going to say, I, I don't mind hearing him talk about football. I think I don't want to hear him talk about anything other than football. Is that bad of me when I think of Aaron no. Rodgers? I, yeah, I just think, you know what? I'll just... Skip all the other commentary. Just give me football. It was funny last week how that story picked up uh, all sorts of heat. I guess didn't pick up a bunch of heat that that uh, that he was getting, you know paid a lot of money to do his guest spots with Pat McAfee, which by the way isn't surprising whatsoever. You think Aaron Rodgers is doing a guest weekly spot without being paid? <laughs> similar to us, right? Yeah. And how much money we pay yeah. our guests? Yeah, I mean the budgets are similar. The budgets are absolutely <laughs> similar. Um, well, you know. There's a couple things for me today. I want to get back into as we go the the Michael Pittman quote that we hit on kind of at the end of the show later in the nine o'clock hour yesterday. Uh, Michael Pittman obviously has been nothing but fantastic with the Colts. He has said, or I guess you could say, not said uh, all the right things basically that you would want him to say. He's been a model teammate and he's been a damn good player on top of it. And this year, a a contract year, KB, where he's been 
been good yet again, and he has been under the unrest that has been the quarterback uh, position here in Indy. So I want to dive back into that. That is picking up a little bit of steam and kind of did so yesterday. So I want to do that, and then I also want to focus on, uh, if we can, a couple different things. Um, you know, what can be cleaned up? And, and when I say that, and I know Steichen even mentioned this yesterday, just the worry, uh, to me it's a big worry, Gardner Minshew turning the football over. I mean, this is a big, big worry because I believe Steichen is showing, is he not, that he's going to rely on his quarterback. I mean, he's going to rely on Minshew. When you talk about you're backed up on a second and 15 and, you know, Minshew's uh, buttocks, if you will, is is back up right on the end zone. Uh, I mean, he's calling plays where... Didn't have that on the bingo Min- card. Minshew is having snot, buttocks. That's where we are at 708. But Snots and butts. That should be the headline of the show. <laughs> it really should. That's the, that's the title for hour one. But, you know, what can be cleaned up with this team now going forward? And then this is kind of a piggyback. And, and I don't know the answer to this. You know, yesterday, it's a reaction Monday, whether it's a win, whether it's a loss. Uh, you know, we've had wins around here where people have called in and, hey, this team could win the AFC South and they're a playoff team and everything else and praising Chris Ballard. And then we've had uh, a couple different shows where, and yesterday probably was one of them, KB, where there's just frustration uh, with the loss and then it becomes you blame the refs. And we had a lot of that yesterday and some Stike and stuff. No doubt, you know, the 10 points at the end of the first half was completely unacceptable. But like, I'm trying to get, and maybe you guys can help me, I'm just trying to get what like the temperament of the fan base is today. Uh, and you know, now you're under 500. Now you're looking up. Uh, if you will, at you've lost the Jacksonville game where you've lost twice to them, uh, and you lost the Cleveland game on Sunday. And both of those games are just so damaging to your kind of your playoff rise. It's good to be Baltimore, but Baltimore is going to be a much higher seed, you would imagine, in the playoffs. Kind of where everybody is. The moral victory card. Uh, what do we think can be cleaned up? Uh, is this a team that's just going to win enough games to draft in the middle? I, I you know I laugh at Minnesota. Are the Colts that as well. Um, I'm trying to figure exactly, you know, after back-to-back losses and after that heartbreaker, a couple plays changes everything within a season, and we see that with the Colts. So I wouldn't mind diving into that. And then Rick Carlisle at 8 o'clock, I mean, what can we ask him that we haven't asked him already? I mean, people are jacked up for this season, and he's ready to go. I I mean, like, they're ready to go. Like, I'm ready to go. Jordan Poole should be in town here within hours. I'm ready to go, baby. Yeah, Jordan Jordan Poole. Chuck it about 45 times tomorrow night. At least 45 times. I'll take the the over. Lowest over under of win totals in the NBA would be the Washington Wizards, the opponent for the Pacers tomorrow night. Um, And again, I think Pacers fans should be highly encouraged by this season. The amount of depth pieces that are on this roster. Um, you know, if Tyrese Halliburton can stay healthy, Andy, there's no doubt in my mind this is a team that shouldn't be a you know a top five or top six team in the Eastern Conference. And I know it's it's a little bit lofty when you compare that to again their kind of win loss totals uh, around the Eastern Conference. But I think that should be a realistic goal and, and a necessary goal. You know, we we've talked about it a lot with the Pacers here, and I was all aboard the rebuild. The rebuild needed to happen. That era was stuck in mud. You were not getting anywhere. You had to break up the Turner Sabonis duo, um, and so finally, you know, you've gotten to the eve of the regular season. And the question is, I wonder if the two bigs can work this year. Like, <laughs> thankfully, that is no longer a question. But now it's time to win, 
You know, you haven't won a playoff game in six years. You haven't won a playoff series in 10 years. That is an eternity in professional sports, let alone in the NBA, Andy, where over half the league makes the playoffs. Right. Yeah, that's the problem. And and we're not used to that in this market. And so now I think um, it's not all chips into the middle of the table, but it's time for a core. Tyrese Halliburton has not won a whole lot in his NBA, or honestly, if you go back to college, I think he was talking about it the other day. He hasn't had a winning season since his freshman year at Iowa State. So you've got to get this core accustomed to winning. I don't think Aaron Neesmith did a lot of winning at Vanderbilt. You know, like these guys have got to get used to that aspect and playing meaningful games in April and May. So again, looking forward to Rick Carlisle coming up um, at 8 o'clock. I'd add one more thing on the Colts front and, you know, certainly the Michael Pittman audio. um, I think some interesting comments because again, we aren't used to diva wide receivers in this town. Um, someone tweeted at me yesterday, aren't wide receivers inherently divas? I'm like, yeah, that's probably a true statement. Um, so I, and I, do, I don't view him that way, by the way, at all. I do want to make sure that we get to that. Um, and I just posted something to the website, Andy. Uh, one week from today is the NFL trade deadline. We saw the Titans get things started yesterday. For those maybe not as plugged into what Kevin Byard, their safety, uh, has meant to the Titans organization, they pretty much just traded away one of their best defenders in franchise history. And it was a clear new GM in a new place in Tennessee saying, yeah, about that. Um, What's going to happen for the next week? Is Derrick Henry on the trade block? What else happens with Tennessee? And obviously then where do the Colts fall into this picture? How should they handle the next seven days trade deadline-wise? We saw last year the Colts did a little bit of selling, but then in a way they also did a little bit of buying. I mean, Zach Moss and a fifth-round pick turned out to be a decent haul for Naheem Hines. Um, So I I think it'll be very interesting to see how Chris Bauer operates here over the next week. The trade deadline has become a little bit more active in the NFL. They pushed it back a few weeks. Again, they added a playoff team, so I think more teams kind of view themselves as, hey, if we just add a guy or two, you know, maybe we can push forward. Um, how do you view the Colts in that limelight as uh, Halloween will be the trade deadline here in the NFL for 2023? Yeah, for people that don't know, the Eagles land, of course, a two-time All-Pro safety. Yes, that's me being upset. Kevin Byard, uh, they trade away Terrell, what, Terrell Edmonds in a fifth and a sixth-round pick. Now, Byard is 30. He'll be 31 next year. Uh, his cap hit is nothing this year, so next year's base salary does go up quite a bit, 9.6 mil. His cap hit is a little bit over 14 mil. But this is an Eagles team that makes moves all the time. They bring in guys all the time, and they're not afraid to do so. And the Tennessee Titans love helping them out wherever they can. Yeah, A.J. Brown <laughs> worked out they, pretty well wherever for Wherever they can. Uh, DeAndre sure. Swift was obviously a trade that they made in the offseason. Uh, Darius Slay. It, it, and I do think this is an avenue to where it's not as big as the draft. It's not as big as maybe March free agency. But this next week can't be ignored, I think, if you're Chris Ballard. And for me, Andy, it really boils down to a rather kind of simple point of view. I know it may not be as simple as I will try to make it out, but in my opinion, I view the trade deadline as if you have guys on your roster in contract years that you don't think are part of the mm-hmm. future, 2024 and beyond, you need to look long and hard at moving them um, because – they could walk in free agency. And yeah, you can play the compensatory pick game, but you know, that's a little bit deeper into future years. And 
you know, as I've said ever since Anthony Richardson got drafted in late April, I want to make sure that the help that you give Richardson comes as early as possible in his tenure to try and um, get answers, get clarity, and speed up that process as best that you can. I am Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton, of course, with us here in studio. Rick Carlisle, 8 o'clock, Tony East at 9. Supposed to be a really summer-like, uh, I think, rest of the week here in Indianapolis. So certainly enjoy that as we close out the month of October. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Yeah, yeah, 8 o'clock hour, hanging on the drive, Huber.com studios. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy, he's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Tons going on tonight. NLCS Game 7. We'll catch that baby in progress at 9 o'clock right here on the fan. We'll have every World Series game as well right here on the fan. And obviously, uh, it's coming. Pacers and Wizards. Pacers season underway beginning tomorrow night. The NBA does have a doubleheader tonight uh, to get things popping. But again, Pacers, Wizards. Our pregame coverage beginning here on the fan at 6.30. And the head coach of the Pacers, nice enough to join us yet again this week. Rick Carlisle joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are absolutely fantastic. I, I know it's just a, it's a completely corny question to to begin things, but uh, we've talked the last few weeks, and we could sense the excitement with the fans, and obviously yourself, the team as well. But uh, it's the eve from you guys welcoming the Wizards in and getting things popping. Uh, I would imagine excitement, anxiety, everything. How you feeling this morning? I feel good. <laughs> you feel you feel yeah, good no, knowing we're, we're, yeah we're, excitement we're, we're anxiety nothing we're nah we're yeah we're look this time of year if if you don't have uh if you don't have a little nerves or whatever um you know you're just you're not ready and so uh yeah there's a lot going on and um with the season starting tonight with a couple of games tonight and then you know really a full slate tomorrow night i'm assuming um you know, NBA basketball is uh, is here, and uh, you know we have a we have a we have a really challenging game tomorrow night with Washington coming in because there's a lot of unknowns um, with the the team that they've kind of reconstructed. But the one thing we do know is that they can really score and they can really shoot threes, and so this will be a great defensive test for us um, right off the bat. You know, Pool had uh, Jordan Pool had forty some points in twenty some minutes few nights ago against New York and um and, and Kuzma has, has always played well and shot it well in our building and uh you know they got a lot of other guys that can put the ball in the basket so uh so we'll have our hands full. Coach I want to go back to yesterday's uh news item if you don't mind that'd be Aaron Neesmith signing an extension with you guys. What did you know about Aaron Neesmith before the trade and what have you learned about him since coaching him? Well I forget exactly which year it was that he came out, but we we looked at him very closely in the draft in Dallas, and you know the irony about it was that um, in the draft he was he was kind of slated as a player that was a shooter, um, but supposedly his defensive metrics weren't very good, and so. You know the way that, the way our draft shake, shook out. We we didn't. Uh, he got taken ahead of us, I believe, and we just didn't have a chance to get him. And so, 
watch for a couple of years. He didn't play much in Boston. And then we did the deal with Boston, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever it was. Uh, we, we had seen glimpses of, of Aaron. Um, and, you know, I, I'd studied him on college film some. Um, he'd gotten a lot stronger since college. Um, but he just wasn't getting much in the way of reps with uh, with how loaded their team was. And so, so we ended up with him. And, you know, for us, he was one of our most versatile players. He was one of our best d- defensive players. And, um, you know, he was a shooter in college. Now, where he had to adjust his game when he came over to us was um, – in college, he had been a featured guy, and Jerry Stackhouse was his coach at Vanderbilt, and they ran they, they ran a lot of set offensive plays for him, and he was great at coming off actions that were set up for him to, to knock in shots. Well, we play a much more fast-paced, random style, so he had to adjust to the our random, uh, fast-paced style of play, and that took a little bit, but once he adjusted... Um, you know, he had a tremendous year for us last year. He ended up being our starter, um, you know, I, I guess I would say most of the year. And so now we just feel, feel like he's um, a real key part of the next four years, including this year, and uh, just thrilled to have him back in the fold because he's, he's an amazing kid, too, and he's got a great family. And so uh, yesterday was a really happy day. I don't know if you guys saw it on social, but – you know, when he was signing his contract, um, yeah, that was a cool video. All the players gathered, you know, down below on the court, and you know, Lloyd Pierce started ringing the bell, and <laughs> it was really a, a pretty joyous moment. So uh, it was really, it was really awesome. Yeah, I encourage people to check that out. Pacer socials, uh, pretty cool video there, and seeing their reaction to Aaron Neesmith putting pen to paper on that three-year extension. Uh, Coach, on, on the eve of the season starting, maybe what's your biggest unknown about this year's team or maybe the thing you're most curious about well there are a few unknowns you know exactly how um the rotation is gonna shake out is 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 not all there you know, i certainly have some ideas about what what i believe could work well for us but um this is a very deep roster uh with a lot of guys that um are not only capable players, but are players that that you know within their within their own skill sets can do some pretty special things. So, um, you know, it's going to take some time to see exactly how this thing looks. Um, you know, if you follow the Colts season, you know that you know health is always going to be a decider. Mother Nature is always going to be a decider of of things as you move forward and. You know, if you if you lose guys for a period of time for whatever reason, guys got to be ready. Um, from that standpoint, I, I feel like we're pretty well covered. Um, but we're going to need to have a high level of professionalism to, you know, absorb those challenges because uh, you know being out of the rotation or not playing a whole lot um, and just being ready when called upon is is uh, is a challenging task. 
Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I mean, looking at the Wizards, you mentioned Jordan Poole, you mentioned Kuzma, always seems to shoot well uh, here in Indianapolis. What kind of team do they have? And I, and I guess kind of to add on to that, we'll be watching your defense. That's been such a preseason narrative. What should fans be looking for to see an improved defense from you tomorrow night, You know, simply besides field goal percentage or points or something like that? Well, fouling has been problem in um, in uh, a big problem in the first three games. Uh, we did a much better job a few nights ago against Cleveland in our uh, final preseason game, and so you know we've got to defend without fouling. Um, we've got to do that. We've got to rebound the ball, and we've got to limit turnovers. You know, the other night against Cleveland, we had 26 turnovers, you know, which is you know, just a preposterous number. I don't expect to see that very often. Um, but this is possession of the ball. And, um, you know, we, we ended up winning the game largely because we rebounded well and, and we did a pretty, a pretty good job defensively. And, look, of course, that game uh, goes three quarters and then they pulled their starters and we pulled ours. So, you know, it was a tie game after three quarters. And, uh, you know, all that stuff is pretty meaningless. You know, once you get to uh, the night before the regular season, but in Washington's case, uh, getting back to your question, you know, it's a it's a team that uh, is is predicted to be a total rebuild. Um, probably, I, I, you know, if they aren't predicted to have the, the least number of wins in the league, they're 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 down there or up there, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, but from what I've seen, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, Jordan Poole. He had 41 points in 26 minutes against New York. It was a good defensive team a few nights ago. Uh, Muscala, Mike Muscala, a guy you don't hear much about off the bench. Um, I saw him in the West a lot. Um, made five threes in the first half as a, as a backup center for them against New York. Talked about Kuzma. And then I, was, I saw an article that that popped up yesterday online and a guy was making bold predictions and one of his <laughs> number three on his list of bold predictions Uh-oh. was that it was that Jordan Poole could could be, could be the guy this year that has the highest individual point game of the season and that he could go for as many as 70 points. <laughs> and so look, this is stuff that you know, <laughs> you see it and and it, you know, you just you just realize um the NBA has become a place where every team uh, has potent weapons. Um, and so we're going to have to be ready. Again, Rick Carlisle is with us here. Pacers season opening up tomorrow night with the Wizards. Of course, our coverage will begin right here on the fan at 630. Um, Coach, I thought Dustin DePierre from the Indianapolis Star wrote a beautiful feature on Tyrese Halliburton, and it really focused kind of around the joy that he brings uh, to the floor. And I think to your locker room as well. How would you describe that aspect of Tyrese? We obviously see the shooting. We see the ability to facilitate and get others involved. But what is it about that joy that he brings as well? Well, the three words that always that I always come back to with Tyrese are competitive, charismatic, and caring. You know, he it's one thing to be to have a big positive personality as a basketball player on the floor um, and people you know people can 
can they can they can wrap their hands and heads around that you know all day long but this kid has another element an additional element that he really cares about people he really cares in 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 his case right now as we have this conversation um he's demonstrated that he really cares for his teammates he has completely embraced the community here um he's done a whole lot of stuff in the community and a lot of things that he's done in the community have 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 gone um unannounced you know so um and the competitiveness aspect of it you know uh, he wears that on his sleeve. I mean, the guy loves to compete. Um, and, you know, USA Basketball recognized that, and they uh, they sought him out to be on their team this year. He was one of the bright spots on that team. And so, uh, you know, those are the things that, that, that immediately come to mind. Coach, if you had to point out a player or two that um, impressed you the most this preseason, this training camp, who would those be? Well... You know, uh, Ben Shepard has gotten a lot of attention because you know he, he's gone in and and, uh, and done some very positive things. He, he plays a style of of game that um, is pretty joyous when you watch it. I mean, the guy is one of the fastest guys running the floor I've ever seen. He's athletic. He you know he he's just figured a lot of things out. Now this is a kid that played four years at Belmont in a great program. And so, you know, being 23 years old instead of 19 or 20 um, does make a difference there. But, you know, he's shown that he's ready to he's ready to play if called upon. Um, you know, I really like Jairus Walker a lot. Um, he has some very unique skills as a as a guy that plays the four position. You know, he, he played a year of point guard at IMG uh, when they had one of their players get hurt during during a season one time. So he has point guard skills. He sees the floor like a point guard. Um, and, you know, his shooting, he had a great ga- uh, game shooting the ball at Memphis. And um, he's shown that he can do a lot of special things on the floor. Now, right now, what he needs to do is, is keep working on um, on some of the basic things to kind of simplify his game short term. Um, I think the thing that's challenging for young players coming in, into the NBA is that, you know, to, to be someone that's ready to play, you have to establish, you know, a, a definable game that um, where, you can, where you can go in and, and your team knows exactly what they're going to get. What we need from him is the reason we drafted him. We need defense and rebounding. And um, he's going to make his share of shots and he's going to make his share of plays. But uh, I don't know how much he'll play right off the bat, but he's an exciting talent and uh, we will be working hard with him. And and I think he's a great player for our future. Rick Carlisle with us. Last basketball one for me. You know, I was reading and I'm interested. I love when I love you admitting you were reading a bold prediction that someone was making. (laughs) before the season started. So ESPN.com kind of had one of those and their bold prediction for your team uh, was was going to be that Halliburton won the regular season assist tit- uh, title. So just so you know that that was a bold prediction uh, that is out there. But I want to ask about your you know your backcourt with uh, with Tyrese there. You bring Matherin and 
Matherin's going to get a lot of those starting moments, so those guys are going to be playing a lot uh, more together. Matherin last year coming off the bench, he played uh, over a thousand minutes actually with TJ McConnell. Uh, so when he now starting lineup or at least playing more with Tyrese, uh, how do you think? I don't know. How do you think that will go? How how much of a change do you think that will be for him uh, being in the game earlier and being in the game with maybe some different guys there in the backcourt? You know, all players, all players want to start. You know, um, and the thing that they realize when they get put into that position, whether it's you know the end of the season last year, or uh, presumably you know to start the season this year, is that there's an amazing responsibility that comes with starting. You know, you have to be um, your standard bearer for your entire team at your position you know you you have a responsibility offensively to you know generate good plays to create good shots for the team and defensively um you know you're, you're gonna have a matchup you're gonna have to deal with and you're gonna have to play within a system and so you know as 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 ben became a starter at the end of of last season um you know, it, it was pretty clear it was a different kind of thing. And then, of course, the other thing that is an obvious thing that I just neglected to mention is you're playing against better players to start the game. And so these are all challenging things. Um, this is a kid, however, that, um, you know, really, if you if you look at his life and all the things that he's gone through, um He's kind of he's kind of based his life on taking on any challenge that comes his way, and so uh, he's a relentless worker. He loves the game. He continually pushes the coaches to push him, which is you know very rare mm-hmm. in today's day and age with 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 the generation that's coming into the um, league now. And he showed in the last game against Cleveland. Uh, last game of the preseason that, you know, defensively he has taken some positive steps. Now, he's going to have to sustain, you know, um, to, to, to take on the responsibility of, of being uh, one of the starting players. But uh, you know, this is a moment that uh, that he's relished, and uh, and I think, and I see good things. And, and when, you, with, when, when you play with a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, um, you know your chances for success are greatly increased. And by the way, I don't, I don't see the prediction of Tyrese being the number one assist guy. It's a very bold, bold prediction. No, no, it's not. No, it's not at all. By the way, when does when does uh, when does Obi Toppin have the okay to go between his legs on a dunk during the regular season? Does he have it? Does he have the green light at any point? <laughs> yeah, was, I, 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 I've given in all that stuff. I mean, that, that's just. Hey, that's just the world we're living in, and uh, I don't know. You know, he, he's um, he's another guy that you know. You talk about uh, relishing an opportunity to play with Tyrese, man. I mean, uh, he 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 he's another guy that since coming here has just shown like tremendous just overall gratitude to the basketball gods. Um, you know, much the same way that Aaron Neesmith has too. So I'm just, I'm really excited about the environment that, that we've put together here um, for young players to develop. And, you know, we need to take this group from, from here to, you know, higher levels of, of competitive responsibility. 
and you know we need to win some more games coach uh i heard that you might have a birthday coming up later this week is that correct <laughs> I don't. I try to forget about the, those things, you know, these these years. Uh, but yeah, I suppose. Hey, did you get the picture I sent you? By the way, I I, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, Coach Carlisle sent me a picture here of Jake in front of. And uh, <laughs> feel free to fill in. That is obviously one of the iconic spots uh, on UVA's campus. I assume. Yeah. Well, he texted me the other night. And uh, I think it was, I think it was Saturday. And he said, "Hey, uh, my buddy and I um, do this thing every year where we just get in the car and drive someplace." And and uh, he goes, "We we we did Annapolis during the day today, and now we're driving to Charlottesville. Is there a place in Charlottesville that's like you know, like the place to go, like eat, have have dinner, hang out?" whatever and i said uh i said probably the virginian the virginian is a bar restaurant that's right right on the corner and uh that's like right in the heart of it. it's right across the street from grounds you know it's, it's right near the lawn and the rotunda and so so he and his friend he and his friend went to the virginian it was packed and so they went a couple of doors down to boylan heights uh, which is another more modern hangout there. And uh, Jake reported that the beer was cold, the burger was good, and that <laughs> it's all that matters. They were the only they were the only two people uh, over over the age of twenty five there. And believe it or not, I think my daughter may have been at Boylan Heights. Oh, night, watch, oh man, watching the U, watching the UNC game. <laughs> and and if you and if you uh, if you guys hadn't reported that. Uh, on your show, uh, Virginia had a stunning upset at at North Carolina in football. They did. And, How about uh, that? They did. Uh, that was that was that was a huge upset. And huge. So, uh, I said, uh, I said, hey. After the fact, I said, you know, where'd you guys end up going? Did you did you watch the the end of the the Virginia um, UNC? football upset if you did that and sat in the Virginian that's like you know you that's the best of Charlottesville and then they explained they went down to Boylan Heights but anyway the the, the picture that he sent me is the one I sent you and I don't right. know if you guys can post, post that or not but that's <laughs> that's Jake and an unidentified friend um standing next to the statue of Thomas Jefferson in front of the rotunda um at the University of Virginia and uh so that's that. It, it's a great pick. Mike Byron is Jake's friend. He's rocking an IU jacket in this picture. I'm <laughs> of course sure. he is. Let me see the picture, Kate. Rick Carlisle can bring up oh, you know yeah. a certain Elite Eight yeah. game maybe back in the day um, as the IU gear is being donned on UVA's campus. I, I We won't sing happy birthday to you, Coach, because I just feel a voice Ugh. crack coming, and I don't want to yeah, embarrass no, you. don't want to. You don't want to do that. Myself uh, or you. But I will ask this in closing. What was the greatest birthday present that Rick Carlisle has ever received? We could go back to ooh. childhood. We could go recent. What's the greatest birthday gift you ever got? Gosh, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can really remember anything that was... Uh, I don't know. You know, nowadays I just would... What, what brings joy is, you know, when when you're 
when your kid is happy, when your wife is happy, when your your two dogs are, you know, doing good and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I don't really remember um, anything like that, but uh, but I'm uh, I'm grateful for a lot of things, and uh, you know, one of them is obviously to be to be back here in Indiana and and. You know, have a have an exciting young team that's about ready to get started. So we're, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, I think the intrigue should certainly be there leading into tomorrow night. We'll see if your squad can get you an early birthday present with that opening night victory. Uh, Coach, as always, thank you for the time on this Tuesday morning. Good luck tomorrow night and really looking forward to the season getting underway. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. All right, Tony East joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We get ready opening night for the Pacers. Again, that coverage tomorrow, 6.30, right here on the fan Pacers and Wizards. Tony, good morning. How are you today, sir? I'm excellent, guys. How you doing? Uh, we're fantastic getting ready for the season. I guess let's react quickly, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, you know, the move and signing Aaron Neesmith, uh, you know, right before the season, he gets a three-year deal. What did you make of uh, what did you make of that signing as we're sitting here on the eve of the season beginning? Yeah, he's the only extension eligible player they had that made any sense to me, right? He's only 24 plays on the wing where you always need guys and can get away with having too many of them and can play the four too. So lots of important positions he can fill in, had a nice year for them last year, toggling between those spots. And if you can make threes or you can play defense on the perimeter, there's going to be a role for you on an NBA team, right? And the Pacers certainly figured that out last year with Neesmith since he started so much. So it made sense why the Pacers would pursue it. I actually am surprised that Neesmith agreed at the number that he settled in on. I thought he could maybe consider getting a little more if he waited a year and had a nice season. But if you're the Pacers, if you take a step forward now, you've got him locked up. If not, he's a good player already on that deal. So I think it's a win-win for both of them. Yeah, 3 for 33, that seems very reasonable for the versatility and the acceptance, I guess, of the roles that Aaron Neesmith has already shown. Again, Tony East, uh, Locked on Pacers, great listen on a daily basis, SI.com. You'll find his written work. He's with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. All right, defense, 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 Tony. We've heard it a million times this offseason. That is the biggest storyline. What would you put like two, three, four on your Pacers storyline list for this season? Yeah, we talked a lot about the playing time and rotations, and I think that that would be my number two. And more specifically, like what it tells us about what the Pacers are thinking, right? Like they, they have a lot of vets they can play. And they have some young guys they can play, and how they mix that all up will be telling about how they think about their team right now and what they're hoping to accomplish this season, right? Daniel Tice probably not going to play, but you know he's a, he's a decent backup big, and he didn't play very much in the preseason. T.J. McConnell, meanwhile, <laughs> had an awesome preseason, and it looks like a guy who could be earning minutes. But as it comes at the expense of a young guy, is that the right decision, right? That's something we'll have to be talking about all season, and, and how can they get – if they need to, their young guys more playing time. And it's all fluid, right? Last year in their first game, Andrew Nemhart didn't even play, right? He wasn't even in their rotation yet. And he became an important piece very quickly. But how they figure that all out and how they balance going for those wins, trying to beat that playoff team versus you know, a younger team that's still thinking long-term, like Chad Buchanan said before the before the season, is going to be really interesting to me. And, and I don't know how they find the right balance. I think that that's really hard in their position. They have a lot of time with Tyrese Halliburton under contract to build their team, but also they made the playoffs in three years, right? At some point it's time to go for it and, and try to be a little better. And I think a lot of the other storylines are about young guys getting better because if the Pacers want to be the team they want to be long-term, they need a second guy, right? Can Benedict Matherin be that guy? Can he take that step forward next to Tyrese Halliburton and show that, yes, I am 
worth investing in forever. I could be the, the second star for this team. Can Andrew Nemhard take a huge step forward and prove that he is a crucial core piece for this team, right? Could anyone else do it? A surprise player, who knows? But I think those are the two biggest secondary storylines for this team as they kind of trying to start jostling to be a, a playoff team every year going forward. So, Tony, we obviously know, and you just mentioned it there, the rotation and you know what that looks like night in, night out. It will be fluid. You brought up a great point about Andrew Nemhard not even playing in last year's season opener, and look how quickly he became a key piece. Um, but do I have this mapped out correctly? I'm going to go starters and, and, and bench units. Starting lineup, Halliburton, Matherin, Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, Miles Turner, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and then is it safe to say that you would expect the bench unit to look like, in some fashion, Andrew Nemhard, TJ McConnell, uh, Buddy Heald, Aaron Neesmith, and Jalen Smith? That is, yeah, that is the five they rolled with in their last preseason game, and I would say based on how well everybody played in the preseason, those would be the five guys who, to use the Pacers terminology, earned it to be the second unit, if that makes sense. So then the outside looking in for rotation minutes would be Jarris Walker, Daniel Tice, Jordan Wara, Isaiah Jackson, Ben Shepard. Is your biggest surprise of that group Walker, or is it uh, maybe Wara, honestly, in my opinion, just based off what he did last year? Yeah, Walker is the top of the list of the surprises for me, and like, that, you know, when I was talking about the biggest storyline a second ago, that is where I think that will be a frequent-ish topic of discussion this season is, you know, depending on their record, right, are they a team good enough to just be totally comfortable not playing their lottery pick that much, right? And uh, maybe Walker had a really great opening to the preseason, and his final outing was pretty impressive too, but the two games in the middle, the shot was a volley, and he is a rookie after all, and, like, Typically, on teams trying to win, rookies don't play that much, so it makes sense. But are they really good enough to be making that decision now? Is going to be something worth discussing all season. I think he's the most surprising guy to me that could be on the outside looking in. And yeah, Wara, it's just it's really tough for him, right? Like he did everything they asked last year. He set that record for points in a quarter, which is going to be an unbelievable trivia fact in, in some years. I hope I remember that forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're right. Uh, lost weight, can play two different positions now, like. He's a pretty valuable offensive piece, and to no fault of his own, they just acquired some forwards this offseason. Now he might just not play at all. Like it's tough how it shook out, but I can't. It's hard to make the argument that he should be in there at the same time. So those are probably the two most surprising, and they have a lot of depth, which is good. It's just it's always hard when some somebody has to not play, and those two guys are going to be out. I think. Tony East following the Pacers, locked on PacersSI.com here on the fan on this Tuesday. You know, I was going to ask you as a follow-up there about Jarris Walker. If you had to just predict, just an absolute blind guess here on this Tuesday before the Pacers get going tomorrow night, what do you think his rookie campaign looks like? How do you think this kind of flows over the next several months? Any idea? Uh, I think he'll, like, he's, he's an interesting piece to me in that the shot's a big question mark, but he's kind of okay at everything else already to me. Like, he reads the game pretty well. His defense is solid. So, I think that the first couple of games he plays will look a little jittery just because it's like NBA debut kind of stuff. But once he's a settled-in player, I think he'll look fine as a rookie. Like, be able to, to contribute in a way that it, if he ever finds a role, at least, you know, is, is meaningful for the team. But I think how his season goes and how I would be blindly guessing would depend on um, what kind of shooting percentage he has this year. I know he works on his shot like crazy, but if he 
if he is a, an inefficient guy, it's going to be really hard for him to get on the floor for this team, right? They they really need to score and find a way to get points with that second unit. And if Walker can't be putting the ball in the bucket and the shot's not there, it's going to be tough. So uh, it, it's hard to blindly guess and say because his two preseason games are kind of all over the map. But I think he'll probably, you know, get 60 to 70 games and under his belt mm. and look like a, a nice defensive piece that needs to work offensively, exactly what his draft profile kind of said. But... I think at the same time, since his minutes are going to be a little less, it's going to be or at least less than I thought a couple weeks ago. It's going to be harder to say that he'll be a more immediate contributor or a guy like really dynamically changing games right away. Again, Tony East is with us as an outstanding job on Pacers coverage. Uh, Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, you are a Vikings fan, correct? <laughs> I am. I also did not realize they won until like three hours after the game ended. Last well, I, I was. I was you gonna, go to bed. I was gonna add. He's a Vikings <laughs> fan, but his NFL fandom is about like my fandom towards like Taylor Swift. Is that about right? <laughs> yeah, that is exactly right. Okay, yeah. So I, I, this analogy might not be the best one, but you live in this market. I don't, as much as you do live under a rock about the NFL. I think you had a general grasp of what was going on with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts and that saga, and obviously you saw an in-season extension uh, a couple of weeks ago for Jonathan Taylor. On the Jonathan Taylor cult scale, how would you describe Buddy Heald in the Pacers situation? <laughs> That's, good. That's good. Yeah, definitely not as, as tenuous as it looked like Taylor and the Colts were, although in retrospect that seems hilarious because it worked out in the end, right? Um, but that, you know, that was always the really interesting part of all that to me is that he wasn't, I mean, for reasons of injury, of course, but he wasn't around and it felt so strained and the, the agent being kind of public about it was all kind of odd and, and made it seem like it was headed for poor resolution. Whereas, like, I don't know what the resolution's going to be for Buddy Heald and the Pacers because, you know, I wouldn't be tripping all over myself to extend him as the Pacers. They're a younger team who has guys ready to step in and play, as we've kind of already talked about, but he likes Playing here, he likes the team. He likes your Carlisle, and he played well in the preseason. He's a good like presence, and is lighthearted all the time. Like the, the mood is still good. You know, they they have a good relationship together, and clearly the Pacers value him. Right? They t- they said it. They offered him something. Right? They they clearly have some interest in having him back. So it's a little different than Taylor in that there is like they were. You know, they wanted to see. Taylor be healthy before they offered him something and the running back market was weird. Whereas with Heald, they're like, yeah, we get it. You're good. We kind of want to have you. But they haven't been close enough on an extension that it seems like something could happen there right now. Something will have to change during the season, whether that's, you know, Heald doesn't look as good in his role or Heald looks better in his role and the Pacers are willing to pay him more or the Pacers are more willing to keep him or another team is really wanting Buddy Heald. I think something will have to change for a resolution in this, but the biggest difference on the Jonathan Taylor scale is that the relationship doesn't seem at the moment so contentious. And I think that, I don't know, how do I assign numeric value to this scale? I don't know. It's like a four. Do with that with what you will. It's a four. four. Yeah, I didn't, four. Do, I, okay. I didn't do a good job of laying okay. out the, the grading scale. I guess, it, like, could you see a late January extension a la Miles Turner last year? I, I, maybe that would be the better similarity to try and make an analogy to. <laughs> Yeah, we saw you know Turner do it late. They they, they Turner twice, right? Sabonis had the surprise extension in 2019 too, and 
Um, I think that's possible, right? They still have cap space to do a renegotiation, too, like exactly the same way that they did with Turner and Heald. Is now their only extension eligible player during the season, so the only guy to keep an eye on in that way. I think it's possible, right? But, it, it, you know, it's like I said, something has to change, and that's exactly what happened with Biles last year, right? Before the season, I would have given the odds of a Miles Turner extension last year for, like, 0.001%, and, like, everything went right. He was awesome. He was healthy. He fit extremely well with Tyrese Halliburton, and the Pacers had the perfect financial situation and incentive to keep him in a way that somehow it all came together and made sense. And, you know, like three games in, we were talking about him going on a podcast talking about being traded to the Lakers. Like that, everything went right. And so it is possible for all this stuff to change in a way that that makes it possible. And, and Buddy Heal does help the team, and it's close to Tyrese Halliburton, and they clearly value him. So, yeah, I definitely think it's possible, but. It is a little different just given the cap dynamics of the Pacers and their more immediate goals. So uh, unless something changes, I don't think we'll see a resolution soon. But obviously deadlines for action and come trade deadline time, we'll see how this really shakes out. Tony East joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He follows the uh, follows the Pacers, Locked On Pacers. Also, can check him out there at si.com. Last one for me. Uh, you know, if this team is to be a top six seed, and you know, may, maybe they're right below that. Maybe that's exactly what they are. That's going to be the fun of watching them this season. I mean, you look at some of the things last year, some of the win totals that the Pacers could be around. Uh, whether it's Chicago, I know Miami was down in the regular season, then they make the postseason run. Atlanta. Perhaps the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I guess what would be a team or two that you'll be watching, Tony, and saying, "Hey, if the Pacers are going to meet those expectations of being a top six seed, they're going to have to be better than this team and this team." What are those couple teams here as we sit here on the eve of the season? Yeah, certainly, almost all the playing team from last year. Right, Chicago is almost exactly the same team. They got to catch Chicago if they want to be in the plan for sure. I mean, that team could blow it up if they have a bad season. They'll be one, especially because the Pacers will play them four times. It's like a pretty good measuring of the Pacers' potential level of reaching the, whatever it is to six-seater of the plan. And Orlando is about as good as the Pacers last year. They'll be another one. But really, they had the jump teams that were in the field, right? Right. And that's where this comes down to. So you just mentioned some of them. But Brooklyn's, I think, the, the key one, right? They banked a lot of their wins last year with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on their roster. They'll be good on defense. They will not be nearly as good as last year. They have to be better than the Nets, right? If the Pacers can't be on the Nets level this year, I think it'll be really hard for them to get to the top six. Uh, I think that's a key one. And the, so the Heat made the final, so it's weird to say, but they weren't awesome in the regular season last year. And Pacers beat them twice. Like, keeping up with Miami is pretty important, too. Um, so in terms of the actual playoff measuring stick with good teams, I think Brooklyn and Miami are the two that I'd be looking at the closest because I think Atlanta's going to be pretty good, and they were – one of the other playing teams last year, but really every team in the plan, the Pacers had to be better than if they want to get to six, right? They can't be as good as them or splitting games with them during the season. So being better in the plan seems to be important. And I think if they can take a step ahead of Miami and Brooklyn, we could be looking at a playoff team this year. You going over uh, 39 and a half, Tony, for the win loss uh, over under or for the win over under, I should say. That is very close to what I expect, but I think there are more ways they would go over than under, so I will say yes, I will take the over on that number. Tony East, outstanding coverage for the Pacers. You can find his work and Locked on Pacers, the podcast, si.com for the written work. Tony, thanks for the time this morning, man. Always look, uh, Always enjoy our conversations. Look forward to your coverage this year. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.